Hello, humans. It's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 118, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes. And never forget, I'm the goddamn Batman. <laughs> with me, as always, is Brandon. Hello, hello. And Josh. Yeah, I'm here again. Sorry about that. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. I was expecting more comedy today. I don't know why. (laughs) Usually, I'm I'm very I'm very proud of 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 my son Rob. He's he's my son now because he is um, he's he's stepping into the host role um, for for the foreseeable future, just to kind of lighten my load a little bit, which I I very much appreciate. So, Rob, I'm, I'm very proud of you. Son, son. Now you <laughs> gotta me call proud. me daddy. Yeah. Oh that, god, no. Nah, uh, <laughs> yeah, <not like laughs> I don't that. know about that. I don't yeah. know. A father seems more appropriate. Father is better. Yeah. Fa- call father me father is... like Damien calls Bruce father. Isn't that very clipped from There you father. There you go. Father. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I am the rightful heir, Father Brandon. Yes, you are. And when One, I say Father actually, Brandon, it makes you sound it's, like it's, uh, <laughs> like it's very like fitting. Like John Paul Valley. <laughs> exactly. It's it's very fitting because one of the books that we're covering, not this week, but you know, on the show, is Batman versus Robin, where we're seeing Damien attempt to usurp the role of uh, of Batman, his his birthright. Oh, yeah. Now, now we're seeing it happen here on our very show, where where Rob is taking <laughs> the host role. Much like this is why we're the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes because (laughs) we take it to the next level. We live the comics, (laughs) literally. Yeah, that's it. Uh, right before we get into all the fun stuff, like we've already been, uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com and you can get us on Twitter too at notarobotcomics. And if you feel like supporting us, visit buymeacoffee forward slash NER podcasts where we all also have our very own Discord server, and with some support, you can find your way into the server to talk all things geek with us and other fans. Uh, so for today's books, we are looking at Punchline, the Gotham game, number one, Harley Quinn, number 23, Tim Drake Robin, number two, Deathstroke, Inc., number 14, Action Comics, number 1048, Detective Comics, number 1065, and as well as a few dozen honorable mentions, but before we get into our books, I know we already talked about it, but how are you guys doing? How's it been? Like, how was school last week, Brandon? It was a busy, <laughs> oh busy my God. time. Um, yes, uh, I, I checked in um, with, with my good friends here on Monday because I think I think it had been almost exactly a week since, since I think so. really I had any contact with them. Um, I I'm, I was tagging as I'm sure all week and there was no reply. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, as, I, was as, getting as, as I'm sure... <laughs> I know, as I'm sure listeners and, uh, and you guys know by now, I'm very dramatic. So on Monday, because it was, I had a very busy week ahead of me with just school and we have a, a musical coming up and I'm, I'm doing the pit orchestra for that. So it's just a lot of moving parts right oh, now. Wow. So in a very, right in a very on, dramatic dude. fashion, yeah, no, in a very dramatic fashion, I, I was like, guys, I gotta, I gotta tap out for this week. So I'll check in later. And I sent a, an image from, I think it's Batman 118, where I was like, I'm going dark for 48 hours yeah. <laughs> except it was not 48 hours it was more like a week um 
but thankfully I was able to check in. But yes, that no, was a very, very busy week. You called it Hell Week, which was appropriate because it was definitely yeah. hell. Um, that's, but that's I was what glad. We called it back in the theater. Oh yeah, no, I, I was just yeah. glad to be done with that. But I was telling Josh right before we started recording that it was really nice to just be done with that because I actually, for the first time in what felt like a really long time, I, I got to just sit down and actually catch up on a lot of the comics this week, which was nice because um, I hadn't read anything from last week and I, I missed a couple of stuff from the week before. So it was really nice just being able to sit down and catch up on a lot of stuff. Um, and, um, nice. you know, just, just be able to actually sit down and read comics, which I felt like I hadn't been able to do. So that's what's going uh, on in my I neck cannot, of the woods. I literally cannot imagine you going a week without reading comics. Oh, it was yeah. bizarre. It is, it's like unfathomable. Yeah. It, it felt weird. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It felt really weird. Because um, literally, I just, you know, I, I had all the stuff that I wanted to read in the list. And, and I, I was like, I can't, I literally cannot. I do not have the time. So I got to, I think, Saturday or it might have been Friday afternoon. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> this is going to make me sound like an addict. But I was like, I don't feel right. Like, I feel weird. <laughs> like, I haven't, I haven't been able to, you know, get my weekly dose of comics. Um, so it was, it was just very much uh, appreciated and needed to actually be able to read them uh, this week. So I'm very excited to, to be able to talk about it with you guys. Well, that's nice. what we're here for. Yeah, always happy to be here. How about you, Josh? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Oh, uh, just about everything but my neck is killing me right now. <laughs> we got a we got a new car here last Friday. Um that uh or Thursday night. That that worked out really well. Holly is very happy with that and uh um oh my boys went all out on the report cards and just uh my first grader brought home a buttload of satisfactories. Oh and uh congratulations. Yeah, and and my nine year old uh he brought home nothing but A's. So, wow! Super proud of my kids. Yeah, we're both proud. listen to this and hear that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say we're both proud dads. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, your your granddaughter's doing great too. So all three of us are proud dads. That? Oh, that's, that's fantastic! <laughs> she she loves everything. Yes, that's the best kind of kid to have. That's it. Yeah. She she actually didn't like applesauce at first, but we gave it in a second shot, and now she kind of likes it. Oh, right on. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's such a joy watching babies like try things for the first time. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a picture for a long time. I don't have it anymore. Of the very first time, my oldest son, who is, uh, well, I think he actually might be older than Brandon. He's twenty four. Really. Um, oh yeah. yeah, no, that's older uh, than me. Um, but uh, the very first time I gave him squash out of the jar, I knew he was mine because he just had a most horrible face and just spit ketchup <laughs> out <laughs> everywhere. Oh. <laughs> no, that's that's definitely not Haley. She she loves sweet potato. I think she's gonna love squash too. Right on, yeah, squash yeah. and spaghetti. And I couldn't blame him about the spaghetti because who wants to eat cold spaghetti? No, definitely yeah, cold not cold spaghetti. Yeah. Is kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, <All right. laughs> 
Yeah, but yeah right, that's so. that's it in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. There, there has been some interesting news going on in the world, at least cinematically recently. Uh, first off, I guess I'll do the bad news for me, but it's semi-good news because if you, if you look in the gaming world, uh, delays can lead to a better product most of the time, right? Uh-huh. So HBO uh, Green Lantern series, HBO Max Green Lantern series, uh, is is being delayed indefinitely for now um, because the the head writer and showrunner has left the show after writing eight episodes um there's no reason given why but what i was reading is potentially it was due to the to all the changes of of uh the the heads of of the executives these all the executive changes i mean to say uh going Mm -hmm. on and it just seems like it's uh a little too much with uh, having to redo all this stuff re-explain things and just go through so many different bosses in in like half a year it it could be a lot of stress, so maybe it's just like screw it. I don't need this, uh, but it is being reworked as a John Stewart centric episode or series, which I find very interesting, very different from what we had before, where John and Hal were going to be in the movie as a buddy cop outing, and then we were going yeah. to have the other lanterns in the series that we knew Alan Scott and Guy Gardner confirmed, as well as a few others and and a new original lantern from earth that i was kind of half alien half earthling i was kind of interested in seeing but that's not happening now and it remains to see uh just where it's going to go going forward yeah so who knows when it's happening i was looking forward to it in the next couple of years it's when it was first announced freaking like eight years ago it was said 2020 like okay 2020 is going to be a great fucking year for me I'm turning 30, I'm going to have a Green Lantern movie, and I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. Not be stuck in my house for, like, uh, what, uh, 10 months out of the year and skip my 30th birthday. No, no, I could <laughs> I could have fun that year. No. Yeah. So, that's the thing. Uh, speaking of DC Films executive changes, a new uh, co-head, or two, two head, oh my god, I'm not phrasing this right, a new head of DC Films, specifically two of them, have been named. And yeah, they are Peter they sure Safran have. and uh, the legend himself, Mr. James Gunn. Which is <laughs> very exciting. The two work very well together. And it James Gunn has been hitting it out of the park with his DC romp so far. So I think they made an excellent choice here. They found their Kevin Feige and it happens to be two people, which just proves Kevin Feige is a robot. <laughs> she Hulk got it. I right. mean, She Hulk got it right. Yeah. Or they were just revealing the truth, and we never knew. Okay, <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, it's exciting news, though. Um, they have not taken office yet. Apparently, that happens November first. But uh, we look forward to many things coming out of that. Um, see, the thing that had me curious is because I had ju- just read an article about. Um, an interview the rock did uh right. talking talking about uh how there will be much spinning out of the black adam movie um especially about um the justice society so yeah. i was thinking maybe because i know alan scott was originally supposed to be a part of the green lantern show i was wondering if maybe 
he's just going to be pulled into the Justice Society. I really hope so. Maybe. That'd be really cool. I really hope so, yeah. That that actually does bring me to my next point. Black Adam released. <laughs> so that that happened. Um, and, and one of my biggest gripes is, yeah, the Justice Society just felt very unre- underrepresented. Uh, there were four great picks, but there should have been more. Uh, you know, it felt very lacking without having a Ted, Allen, and uh, Jay there to kind of just teach the ropes. But instead we had Dr. Fate and Hawkman, who were great. Aldous Hodge and Pierce Brosnan knocked it out of the park with those characters. They were fantastic. Yeah. But it, it definitely felt like to be the Justice Society, it needed more uh, seniority on the team to be teaching the the younger people but we it's just not didn't happen i don't know so hopefully if there is a justice society project coming down the line we actually get those characters that'd be awesome i would love that yeah i'd, I'd love to see a major push for the justice society i think that would uh, that'd be really cool as do i he also said that though the dc cinematic universe will no longer be called the DCEU um, to expect to see everything be crossing over. And he even went so far as to name a Joker movie. So I think very interesting. I think that DC may be setting up what that rumor was hell a little over a year ago that they'll be setting up a a multiverse and we'll have all kinds of different heroes coming from all kinds of different directions. I mean, they, they really already did with the TV world where they, yeah, I was going to say, and, and that, that, that crisis crossover connected every live action series from DC, including movies. And then even had Ezra Miller's flash pop in for a brief second where he really should not have, because everything should have been dead at the time, but he was there, which connected to the new movies. So, yeah, the multiverse is there. I guess it just has to be explored. Yeah, yeah. I, I never actually get to watch the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, but I know they brought back. I want to. Why am I blanking on his name? But the the actor from Smallville who was um, oh Tom you know, Welling was, was Clark Kent. Yeah, Tom Welling and uh, yeah. Erica Durant. Yeah, I think they had like a cameo or something. Yeah. They had a Erica was more of a, a little cameo. She had like one line, but Tom had like a mm-hmm. full scene with mm-hmm. Lex Luthor, which was fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really Luthor, need to watch not, not the yeah. Smallville Lex not, Luthor, not Michael who Rosenbaum. Yeah. Rosenbaum refused to be a part of it. Yeah, it, yeah. to I be really, fair, I really on, do need on to his watch part, it was time. really rushed out. Not well, yeah, I'm he, in Smallville. he said that Smallville, he had right. served his time with that role and he didn't think that reprising that role would uh do anything for him he he had, he had run his course and he was done with it i can't yeah. blame him for that I yeah mean, that's, that's sound fair. logic yeah the character did go through a lot if if you have not watched the whole thing Brendan, i will not spoil anything uh but that lex in that series did go through a hell of a lot uh, mm-hmm. A lot of progression over the ten seasons, so oh. yeah, yeah, I really no, that's don't that's there. that's one of those shows that that's like I've I've always kind of wanted to check out, but I've never I never just committed to it. So uh, one of these days, I'm sure I'll get around to it. Yeah, it's definitely worth a shot. It's definitely worth a watch, even still. There's some episodes mm-hmm. that are a bit off. Uh, there, 
Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum even have a podcast together, and I think they recently have been going through some of the old episodes and talking about them. Mm -hmm. So it might be fun to to get some modern day commentary on on their old performances. Yeah. Uh, so a couple more things happened this week. Zatanna, the live action film project, has been officially canceled. Uh, that act that was we had a discussion about this. I wasn't sure at the time. But it was part of the J.J. Abrams Justice League Dark World. Uh, so that Zatanna is no longer happening. But as far as we know, the other JLD stuff from Bad Robot is still happening. Uh, for now. <laughs> we'll see how yeah, it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That being um, the operative two words for now. Exactly. Yeah. I, I always want to put a yet at the end of everything. So. <laughs> uh, and finally, over in Marvel Land... We had two trailers drop this week. We had Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania showing off, coming out next March, I believe, uh, which looks very exciting. And if, if you're an eagle-eyed viewer like I am and watched it a couple of times, you may have noticed a few things that were very, very key and interesting. Uh, and finally, the Such Guardians as... of the Galaxy holidays. Well, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Because I also read the the plot leak. <laughs> oh, Actually, I read well. two two plot leaks. I read two plot leaks, and they uh, contradict each other. This is where the fun is. <laughs> Which one is the real one? If yeah, the only thing that I know about it, or at least the only thing that I've heard about it, is that Kang is supposed to show up. I mean, he was in the trailer. So, <laughs> yeah, jo- Jonathan Majors Kang uh, making his return from the season finale of Loki is in full comics accurate costume as well i might add looks really good right on yeah god he's just he's got such a menacing like approach to the characters oh if you haven't watched the trailer if you have watched the trailer you know what i mean if you haven't you gotta check it out and you'll see what i mean it it's he's creepy to watch it's how good he is as kang it's fantastic um and then we got the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special officially, officially announced with a trailer uh, introducing a new member to the Guardians, uh, none other than Mr. Kevin Bacon. Which seems like a crazy choice, but... Well, it is. Is he going to dance? <laughs> but, but it is, in continuity, a good idea because of Star-Lord... Uh, Peter Quill in earlier movies have mentioned that uh, Kevin Bacon is Earth's greatest hero because of Footloose. I, I ask again, <laughs> is he going to dance? We God, I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> As such, that's all we know about it. That Kevin Bacon will be there and they're trying to cheer Peter up because he, he misses his family. Uh, it's going to be a fun, family-filled holiday special. Uh, if you watched um, Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. that was really well done and very in yes, the classic campy horror style, which which was fantastic, uh, especially in, in black and white as it was. So th- I think this is going to follow the same suit. And speaking of James Gunn, it is written and directed by him too, so he's following his GOTG fans and family through everything they do. And that is all the news that's fit to talk about, at least cinematically. That's nice. That I know of. Yeah. 
Well, at least in the world of comics, I, I don't know that I have a ton, but uh, I just grabbed two quick things. The first one is that the Blue Beetle Graduation Day um, Round Robin runner-up title from last year, uh, which will be getting its official release, I guess, later this year, or it might have already started coming out. Um, but I know at least as far as the print release uh, goes, they're doing something that I, I can't remember ever seeing DC do before, which is they're publishing the book both in English and in Spanish. So they're going to be two separate versions um, that you that you can buy um, at your LCS or presumably order online. I'm not really sure, but it sounds like they're they're releasing two versions, which I think will be really cool. Um, you know, obviously there are uh, translated versions that exist in other countries, um, but it'll be nice to just kind of have it for. Um, you know, Spanish-speaking audiences within uh, North America or, I guess, uh, predominantly English-speaking countries or that sort of thing. Um, and then the second one, I think we, we kind of already talked about it earlier. I think Josh had mentioned it, but the, the Gargoyles comic, which I'm very excited to see um, over on Adventures in Poor Taste, uh, Greg Weissman and George Campadias did a brief interview where they talked about the comics um, release and sort of returning to the series, and they also released some preview images from the upcoming book, which is very exciting because you get to see uh, quick quick looks um, of, of some of the characters that uh, we know and love. Um, and I think we get a, a really nice wide shot of some of the gargoyles, but it was it was nice to see, you know, Goliath and Demona, all those guys again. Um, so you can check that out over on Adventures in Portes to kind of go into detail on uh, what they're planning to do with the series moving forward. It makes sense that they're doing that with Blue Beetle, the the comic book, because mm-hmm. from what I've heard on the internet, the movie, uh, the Blue Beetle movie, is going to be predominantly in Spanish. That's cool. That's yeah, I, did, I, I didn't thought. know that. Hmm. Yeah, I I'm hoping that that doesn't turn audiences off, because that'll that'll be horrible. But um, for me, one, I'll 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 be there. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as they have subtitles, I, my Spanish is very poor. So Lord knows I would not be able to translate any of that. Well, as long as they have subtitles, my Spanish is 100% accurate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh yeah. I totally, I totally knew what that meant. I just, you know, I had to get a refresher. (laughs) Well, I guess that's it. I believe so. Yeah, just taking another quick look. I did not see anything uh, else pressing. Oh, actually, there was... um, I think that was in the solicits we forgot to bring up last week. You brought up uh, to us, Brandon, that Swamp Thing Green Hell is finally coming back. Yeah, I nearly forgot about that. But yes, yeah. um, I believe, yes, coming back this January and the series will be finishing um out in march so the you know second and third issue will be coming out in february and march respectively but yeah no um it's funny josh and i were also talking about that you know briefly off the air right before we started um and it was just kind of crazy remembering how long ago that first issue came out um and to give you a point of reference the last time that we talked about that the last time you know that we reviewed that that first issue was december of 2021 so nearly an Damn, entire year ago, yeah. So That's yeah, it's it's been a while. Time. It's been a while. I, um, so I completely get forgot it, it had come out. 
Yeah, no, I don't blame you. It, it has been a while, and it was only the one issue, so um, I imagine a lot of people yeah. forgot. So it's, it's good that they're re-releasing the first issue in January um, to kind of, you know, get people um, back uh, and, and remembering what the, you know, the series was about and everything before they finish it off. Excellent ideas from them. Mm-hmm. All right, All I guess right. it's time for my honorable mentions, eh? Yeah, so I it is. So, bud. Well, I am unfortunately lacking in a few of the books for the first time in a long time. I wasn't able to get to all of them. But let me tell you about what I did get to. DC Mech number four. Still way better than Jurassic League. DC versus <laughs> Vampires number 10 was pretty kick-ass. I'm actually... I, I, I really liked Human Target number eight. Um... Uh, Catwoman Lonely City, what a freaking awesome way to wrap that book up. Sergeant yep. Rock versus the Army of Dead number two, still a fun ride. Batman Beyond the White Knight, probably easily the best part of the White Knight universe. Um, fight me on that one. Uh, Riddler Year One, I'm only about halfway through and... The best that I can say is that so far it's completely average. You don't need to run out and get this one, kids. Um, I miss Young Justice Targets, Batman Fortress number six. I have abandoned the book. Not reading that anymore. And if anybody out there has checked out Batman The Audio Adventures... Number two came out this week, and I strongly recommend it. It is a seriously fun time. Right on. Yeah, I got to check that one out. It's still audio adventures. That looks interesting. All nice. uh, right. Well, that is our honorable mentions. A hefty list. A lot of books this week. A lot of fun uh, most of the time. Uh, now we'll turn it over <laughs> to our spotlight. We're going to shine a light in Gotham. Not a bad signal. But a different type of signal. I don't know what signal that is because signal is not present. He's somewhere else with the outsiders. It's punchline the Gotham <laughs> game number one, and Brandon's going to tell us all about that one. Yeah. Well, as to what kind of signal it is, maybe it could be uh, I don't know a pink symbol or or maybe some kind of special multicolored symbol because uh, uh, Lord knows things are quite crazy right now in Gotham. If this book is any indication, this was. Written by Blake and Teeny Howard, the husband and wife team, with art from Gleb Melnikov, colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Becca Carey. Alexis K., the villain currently known as Punchline, is walking the streets having beaten for trial in the events of The Joker, which we covered a few months ago. Uh, with a new leading status as queen of a stronger Royal Flush gang, Punchline has a new game for Gotham. One that involves a deadly drug disguised as a common incense called XO. There's a chemical name for that, but I'm not going to read it because I've read it like five times and I still can't get it right. Anyway, with plans for expansion, Punchline brings in some old and new faces for the Royal Flush Gang as she makes her plans to show Gotham its true face. But Gotham won't take that lying down as Gotham, as not Gotham, as Batman... And Ventura Fremont, a representative from the DA's Victims Bureau, are hot on her tail, waiting for her to make her move and bring her down. So it's an interesting story for Punchline, who's a character that I've had mixed opinions about uh, since her inception. 
Uh, but I feel that, that given her nihilistic view of the world flooding Gotham with a drug that enables everyone to drop out of the world, and just sort of abandon, you know, all their problems is kind of in line with that view that she has. Uh, for a story that's this serious, I do feel the art is a little mismatched, even though I really enjoy the work of Gleb Melnikov. He did a great job on Robin and a couple of issues of Outsiders, um, but it does feel a little bit too cartoony here where the story matter is, is fairly serious. Um, I'm curious how the story will unfold and when Punchline will show her hand enough that Batman can step in. Um, but until then, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I gave this a 7.75 out of 10. I was pleasantly surprised. This was a series I didn't have a lot of expectations for, um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't as bad as uh, I think I might have expected it to be or, or um, as pointless as I thought it might be. Yeah, I went into this expecting absolute shit. The the last run didn't sit well with me. Absolute shit. I thought it was going <laughs> to yep. be dog shit. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Punchline seemed cool, you know, but redundant and unnecessary. Kind of like, what if Joker and Harley were the same person? Punchline seemed like a cool character even past that, though. Um, the story she was in sucked balls. So I crack open this issue, and I love the art. Like usual, Leb Melnikoff just works it. I love their art, and Guerrero on colors is a solid pairing for sure. And though this is just a tiny bit word-heavy, it really isn't bogged down by much of it at all, in my opinion. Um, this could really end up being decent we have a ways to go before i can cement that but so far so good it did what a setup issue should do and that's get me interested i gave it an eight out of ten yeah i i also went in with absolutely no expectations because i i actually started hating the character as much as i started hating uh the Batman who laughs, the he who shall not be yeah. named multiple times. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, with this, I was impressed with how interesting it actually was. All the plot threads left around from every story Punchline has ever been in are starting to come together with the Royal Flush Gang, with XO, with with even just with with Batman. And I dig it. It's actually a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. I gave this an eight point five out of ten. Uh, definitely at least worth a check out. Nice. All right, so that was our little spotlight. We're going to take a brief, quick bite. <laughs> bite out of crime. Bite out of I don't know why that got stuck in my head. I don't have to bite out of crime. What's that, Simpsons? No, oh, that's uh, McGruff the Crime Dog. Yeah, that, that was... Somebody parodied that. Oh, I'm sure that period, I think that might have been the Simpsons. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna take this quick bite in. The, it's gonna sound weird. In Harley Quinn, <laughs> number twenty three, <laughs> and Josh is gonna take that bite out of Harley Quinn right now. Arr. Written by Stephanie Phillips, art from Matteo Lali, a name that sounds very familiar, but I can't place it at all. Like what? books i've seen him on marauders and or deadpool but i don't know that you oh. might have read those i read marauders because it's steve Orlando. okay well this was um, the previous marauders run with jerry duggan um but oh yes oh okay 
Well, anyway, colors came from Rain Barredo, letters from Man World Design, and the cover. Oh, it was probably Deadpool then. Anyway, the cover, which I really like, was brought to us by Lolly and Barredo. So we picked this up with Harley coming back to life after Angel Breaker let her use the Lazarus Pits. She told the delivery guy about her, rex- about her resurrection and woke up to a big old cult following her. Kevin's not happy at all and says there's going to be problems, and that's when Damien shows up. Harley whoops him, uncharacteristically, and then they're friends. Damien well, he did wished attack her... first, so... Well, so it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's still, I feel like if fries, Damien was fighting... Like... Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. That's I was going to say, he took out a fries, which is like a cardinal sin. That's like the most evil thing you could ever do to another person. Fair enough. <laughs> I still couldn't see Harley beating Damien, but here we are. And she did. Um, Damien wishes her luck and then leaves. Then we see a hooded figure that shot her, killing a clown, and saying, We'll kill all the Harleys. Huh? While Harley herself seems to want to revert to the old Harley, which is dumb as shit. Um, Glenn Malnikoff killed it in here, like I said. But nothing really made sense about the story here for me. It's Mateo uh, Lolly. In- Sorry, I don't. I don't mean to correct you. I, I know you're. I know you're soldiering on. It is Mateo Lolly. Not Mateo, not Glenn. What? Mateo oh, Lolly. Shit. Yeah, it's Mateo. There, you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it, or at least to me, nothing really <laughs> made sense. Like I said, uh, why Damien showed up when he's got so much shit going on. Harley reverting to her old self rather than just going crazy um, because of the Lazarus pits. Um, having a mass cult following, like, isn't that Two Faces thing? Um, the art is fantastic. I don't hate this, but it's just kind of sitting there looking pretty and not doing much for me right now. It was enjoyable, but not memorable. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. I actually had a, a surprising bit of fun with this one, um, more so than I think I have with a number of the previous issues of Harley Quinn. Um, maybe it was actually probably not even maybe it was definitely the inclusion of, of Damien, um, uh, seeing him come to blows with Harley, um, and, and, you know, be his sort of normal blustering self was, was entertaining for a time. But actually, I mean, you know, I'm, well, I, I'm certainly not in love with the idea of Harley reverting to her old self. I'm at least interested to see where it might go, um, because yeah. I get the feeling that with the Lazarus resin sort of going through her body, it's going to be a lot more sinister. Um, so it won't just be, you know, normal madcap antics. It'll probably be like, you know, something even more evil and insane. And, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm mildly interested in where they might go with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was at least very entertaining to see kind of big show up. Um, even from the cover, I was like, you know what, this this might be fun. Just seeing kind of pop up and uh, and, and seeing what's what. So um, I did have a, a good bit of fun with this one. It was a short read, I'll admit. Not a ton of story here. It was really just kind of like introducing the Colts. Damien shows up, they fight, and that's sort of the end of it. Um, but you know, it, it should provide an interesting segue for the next issue, and hopefully for the rest of this arc. So. I gave this one an 8 out of 10, just uh, really solid stuff. Um, and I'd love to see Mateo Lali do more stuff in this Gotham corner of the universe, in this universe. Yep. Uh, for me, this series is slowly becoming a must-read. 
Uh, definitely check this issue out. I really enjoyed it. Uh, one of the things about Harley Quinn that I love for me is as much as she's a psychopath, she's still in her heart a psychiatrist and shows that off in almost every fight she has. She <laughs> psychoanalyzes what people are doing and why they're fighting. It's fantastic. And because of that, I, I actually preferred the twist that they gave because it's showing, at least the way I took it, it's showing that the Lazarus Pit did do some damage despite the fact that she's denying it to everybody that's telling her that it will. Uh, it's actually uh, giving her more aggression. And you could see that when Robin left and she smashed her mug on the wall and got pissed off and nobody could tell her anything and thinking that everybody's telling her it's going to change her. And then she's taking that as, well, maybe they just want the old me. They want they don't want this Harley because they keep saying I'm going to change, so I might as well just fucking change. And then that's her uh, getting a little aggressive with, as, as the Lazarus Pit will do, and aggressive Harley was classic Harley, in a way. Murderous, in any way. So, that, at least that's how I took it. I will psychoanalyze Harley Quinn, because that's what she does best. Um, but I loved it. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next few issues, for sure. Let's have a Lazarus and, and... Harley crossover and kill Punchline. Oh God! Yeah, that would be that would be very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say as as a final point, um, just a panel that I think could be taken out of context, or even with the context, it's still very funny. But just seeing Damien in that life preserver, <laughs> just like yeah. very dryly say, "I hate the water," just made me laugh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know why. Why that particular one really just got me. Uh, it put a smile on your face. So, and yeah. it should. if he if he hates the water so much, he should not live on an island. I I agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree. <laughs> All right, so that was our quick bite section for the week. Uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break. Don't go too far away. Now, back to our program. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. I knew you wouldn't go too far. You're too good for us. Oh, oh you're so nice. Yeah. You're the best listener ever. Not you, the other one. You're just kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, no offense. I tolerate you. But no, you're, you're all, I kid. You're all great. You're all great listeners with those ears of yours, y'all. Anyway. We're into our in-depth section of the show, and I'm going to kick things off with a little book we all like to call Tim Drake uh, Dash Robin. I don't know. It's still weird to me that they, they yeah. needed to do that. Okay, so we pick up where... Uh, not where the issue left off, last issue left off, but uh, actually on a date between Bernard and Tim at a little arcade, and Tim is getting worried about everything going on at the marina, so he's trying Bob, to get Bernard... Hey? Did you do the Hello? creatives? Oh, I knew I was forgetting something. My Brandon, bad. take care of your kid, man. Take care of your kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. My son is still learning. No! It's okay. Okay, I'll, I'll go so to my far. room now. Daddy's so proud. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Oh, that felt weird to say. a lot. <laughs> 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 oh, 
shit. I was I I was thinking I jumped right into the bug. I'm like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, but I can't quite think of what it is. <laughs> right. Okay. Let me start over. This is Tim hey, Drake. At least you're Robin. not fucking. At least you're not giving the wrong creatives for the wrong book. Thank you for the assist, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> Like he said, it happens to all of us, as you can tell. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So this was written by Megan Fitzmartin with art from Riley Rosmo, colors from Lee Loffridge, letters from Mob Lee, and a very nice cover from Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. So as I was saying, Tim and Bernard are on a date at the arcade. Tim is worried about all the things and crime and murders happening at the marina, so he's trying to get Bernard to leave Gotham for a little bit till the heat dies down. Bernard says, eh, you know, danger schmanger. Robin's got my back. (laughs) Meanwhile, Robin does not have his back. Well, he does, but, you know, he can't be everywhere. It's not like he's impulse or something. Or Superman. Uh, Meanwhile, there has been a break-in at a museum, I believe it was, uh, where the detectives, uh, a set of detectives that Tim affectionately calls... Uh, the the three Stooges, Larry, Curly, and Mo, uh, because they're not too bright, kind of bumbling, and just complain a lot. Uh, and, and they hate corrupt. capes, and horribly corrupt, very horribly corrupt. Uh, but Detective Williams is also on the case, uh, a little friend of Tim's, as Robin. Um, he's uh, knowingly, understandably, and uh, staying away from the three Stooge detectives. But they are just you know, spending their time talking shit about masks, not actually solving any crimes. Yet Tim is there undercover as a cop, which isn't that a felony? Yes. Impersonating a police officer. Okay, there's crime number one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he slips a little piece of paper into Detective Williams' pocket to tell him to meet him in the alley. He gets suited up as Robin, and they talk about how uh, Tim did not do it because that's what the cops are thinking he did. Uh, Robin stole this baseball diamond that went missing and not one from a baseball field, not an actual plate, like an actual diamond shaped like a baseball. They made a point about that, that you should know. It's not a, it's not a playing baseball diamond. It's a beating baseball diamond. Uh, so he tells Detective Williams, it was not me. Uh, I, I can assure you that, but there were tons of clues left behind, and I'm going to follow them, uh, and the culprit left them for me, and it seems very specific, so I'm going to follow these clues and find out who did it. Uh, they go back, uh, sorry, not they. Tim uh, then goes back to the marina, meets up with Bernard, still trying to push him away uh, out of Gotham. But Bernard pushes back, saying, look, you've been trying to hide something from me. You're entitled to your own life, but you can just talk to me if you need to. But they're interrupted by two people from the marina who are going on about how uh, everyone is getting evicted. And uh, Councilman Rathbone uh, of Gotham City uh, Council is trying to change up the marina, clean it up, and hates the fact that people live there in boats. Bit of a weird take, but all right, you do you. (laughs) So later on, <laughs> uh, um, so Tim then meets I'm on up. A boat. 
Oh god. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. Uh, so Tim is uh, later on meets up with his friend from the Robins, uh, and they they dress up in various character outfits of various detectives through the years, uh, going through classic detective stories from authors following the Dewey Decimal System, of course, uh, from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, uh, there's some from Chandler. They do uh, a Scooby Doo impersonation for some reason. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, did you say? Did you say Brandon Chandler? No, no, no. Raymond Chandler. Raymond Chandler. Oh, I said Brandon Chandler. Famous war author. Yeah, no, famous war author in the thirties. Yeah, I wish. Um. Yeah, they do a Scooby Doo impersonation for some reason. I imagine because they solve mysteries and everything's owned by WB. Uh, where they also find <laughs> out that the mysterious package that Tim was delivered last issue, uh, is not does not contain anything explosive. It's just a deerstalker hat, a lot like Sherlock Holmes, which the librarian blurts out as she sneaks up behind them, Miss Jen, uh, as she brings more detective books for the pair to enjoy and peruse. While they're just openly in the library in costume, the librarian is not kind of weirded out by that whatsoever. You'd think he'd go in as Tim. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, so she heads off to, I imagine, clean up some of the library, puts the books away. And while Tim is typing away on a computer looking for various books uh, and trying to find out who else has been borrowing the books because other people have been borrowing these books from the library... They hear a scream from Miss Jen, and they run over to find her. Uh, I believe her throat is slit, and she is dead. Uh, So Tim begins to look for clues and figure out what's going on. He finds a juggling pin pin, like a brooch pin. Uh, But then they are stopped by police who have arrived and blame it on Robin yet again. He jumps out the window, flies away to safety, and meets up with Detective Williams to once again say, Look, this wasn't me. I know you told me to keep a low profile, but it's clearly not happening. He meets a little kid named Gus, who is a big fan of his, and wants him to sign some stuff. Uh, Tim tries to take his baseball bat away, but as Gus says, I play baseball, I need that bat. So now they they split up, and Gus is undercover, apparently undercover, uh, getting access to a locked deposit box. And inside is just a note that says turn around where Robin is there to uh, stop him from stealing whatever he's trying to steal. Gus runs away. Tim gives chase all across the city and corners him on a rooftop where Tim then finds out it is Gus. But we could pretty much already tell from the way he looks. Uh, Police are also still giving chase because they saw Robin chasing some boy through the city. But Tim calls for Sparrow to come pick up Gus as Tim leads the cops away from uh, Gus's location. Meanwhile, we see a shadowy figure in some weird chair with some weird masks and weird screens going around saying, uh, it's time to send in the Robins. So as Tim flies through the city, uh, he gets shot at by three characters dressed as various Robins, Damien, Stephanie, and I imagine that's Dick. But they seem to be made of some kind of clay or plasticine of some sort. Uh, taking him unaware. And then next issue we will see Robin fighting Robin, Robin, Robin. It's Robins, yet not Robins. It's really weird. 
Uh, where are we here? Yeah, so I'm I'm all for a mystery, but this one is still kind of dull for me. Uh, it does have that classic feel, but it lacks any basic excitement like some of the classic stories do. I and as for the art, though, I'm still loving all of Riley's art in this issue. I actually think, and I wonder if you'll back me up on this, uh, Brandon, that this work might be some of Riley Rosmo's best work, except for <laughs> Tim. Tim is the only thing in this issue that, like art wise, that makes me feel yeah. uncomfortable. It just doesn't. Yes, it I, doesn't I look it. like Tim at all. The hair is not right. That part bugs me the most. It just looks really weird. Whether he's as Tim Drake or as Robin, it just doesn't fit. But everything else from Rosmo, I think, is solid. Uh, yeah, that's that's honestly about all I had. Despite that, um, Tim being the center of the book you kind of need that character to look the best and since that's the part that's bugging me the most in the art i kind of got to dock the art uh and the story's just dull i'm not digging this six out of ten dude fitz martin i fitz martin wrote a story that is both all over the place and going nowhere at the same time raleigh rosmo's art is horrendous some panels, as Rob mentioned, Rob, Robin doesn't have all or most of his hair. It's not right. Some panels have no faces. The inconsistent appearance of every character in the book makes it difficult to keep track of it. In fact, like usual, in order to finish this, I had to hold the book super close to my face and only focus on the words. That took me two tries. So... Other than the fact that this is a Tim Drake book, everything about this blows. Even Low Ridge's colors are so way off, which is not typical. It's probably because he's trying to match uh, Rosmo's art style. There is absolutely nothing redeemable about this issue. I'm pissed it costs $4 to read this. At best, it should be an out-of-continuity $1 digital comic. The only good part of this book was when the library flexed her, librarian flexed her arms and says she gets a workout. That made me giggle. The rest of it, not there for me. Four out of ten. I, I'm going to sound very odd to the rest of you. Um, I, I did hate this issue, and that does not mean I loved it by any means, um, but I, I was pretty down on the, the first issue when we covered that last month. Um, it, it just rubs me in a lot of wrong ways. That sounds filthy. Um, but I, I, mm, I was very much dirty. not a fan of... Uh, yeah, no, and this is the book that you do not want close to you. Um, but this <laughs> this one was not as bad. I mean, I'm right there with Rob. Mystery is still not very compelling. And I, I think they're trying very hard to go for the, you know, grounded, very, um, you know, very Biden... Um, I don't want to say by the numbers, but you know what I mean? Like a very grounded procedural yeah. detective. Like you see Tim going through all the clues and everything. Like it's really trying to play up the detective angle, which I appreciate. I just wish it was a more compelling mystery that I cared about. Um, yeah. Some of the personal stuff with Tim was better in this issue, but it, it still ultimately kind of rings hollow in a grander sense. Um, so it, it, it's, it's like, I, I don't think it was as bad as last month, but it's still not quite there. So maybe it's getting better. 
I don't know. Um, artistically, I am with you there. I, I do think that this, you know, in, in terms of the other stuff that, that Riley is drawing, it's like right up his alley and it works, you know, pretty well in a lot of places. And there are a couple of panels where Tim looks half decent, but I'm, I'm, I'm also right there with you where his, his proportions, his body proportions, which normally I can give a pass in some contexts, but I think here it's just, it's exaggerated to the point where it's like, it's, it's almost hard to discern. Like his head is, is comically large. Like it's larger than, you know, his, his, um, like his torso, torso at points. So it's, it just, yeah. it looks odd in, in certain ways. Um, and yeah, I think, I think Tim is really the one that's suffering the most. Well, some of the other characters look fine. I mean, you know, Sparrow looks fine and Detective Williams looks fine and the three um, stooges or detectives look fine. Like everyone else looks fine. It's just Tim that's really suffering. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from that, I, I, I would say, while not a great issue, it was definitely better than last month. And I, and I will say that the scene between Tim and Bernard is probably, this scene is probably the closest I will come or maybe it won't be, I mean, if the series is improving, but at least for now, is the closest I will ever come to actually feeling any kind of emotion towards Bernard. Because at, at the very least, I'm like, okay, I know one thing about him. He's loyal. Before, I knew literally nothing except he likes Tim, and I guess he feels sorry for himself sometimes, which is, like, who even cares? But at, at least now I know one other thing. He's loyal. So I appreciate that. I, I, at least they're trying to do something. But um, otherwise, you know, decent issue but but nothing really stand out so i gave this one a 7.5 out of 10 which may be the highest this this series will ever score for me who knows um but uh it's, it's definitely an improvement from last month i'll say that much yeah I, i'm currently going through my copy of the night of the monster men crossover mm -hmm. that was in detective comics and riley right, roswell yeah, drew yeah. that and i'm trying to figure out if tim was in this or not to see if he was he not because he I was believe not. he was dead at that time. Yes. Okay, I could not remember when that happened in conjunction with yeah. this. Yeah, uh, I think that that was shame. like right after that first arc where he died. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a shame because it would have been perfect. It was like just to compare it, but even just looking at the other Bat Family characters here, because you have pretty much the entirety of the the Bat Family except for Tim yeah. represented here, and they all look fantastic. Uh, compared to at least they look fantastic in general but compared to Tim Drake it just looks like the best I've ever freaking seen from yeah. the Bat Family I, I want to say <sighs> he's drawn Tim before but I'll have to I, I just have to think for a second on where that might have been and if I find it all yeah. I'll send it over in the Discord Robin King that's the it may have been Robin King, but need it was, to it was see maybe. him yeah some, somewhere else I think um, that's where he needs to be <laughs> Now that was perfectly done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This this is if if you want a really good Riley Rousebud drawn story with Bat Family characters that look good, read Night of the Monster Men. Yeah, yeah I remember that being really sure. fun read. I haven't uh, yeah revisited that one in a while. I don't. I remember reading at the time. But I I didn't realize at the time that it was Riley Rosmo and. Was that did it come out before or after Deathbed? Do you remember? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was before because Deathbed was yeah. like 2018. So I'm pretty sure. 
Night of the Monster Men was before. Okay. Um, yeah, because from that first arc, the way it was drawn, and then you jump, at least with Detective Comics, and you jump into Night mm-hmm. of the Monster Men, Riley Rosmo's art, I remember. So that would have been my first time seeing Rosmo's art, and it kind of took me aback. Like, the hell is this? This is yeah. so weird mm-hmm. looking. Despite the fact that that might be the most normal looking Riley Rossum art in existence, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and uh, having had years of experience with Riley Rossum now, this shit's fucking great. I love it. <laughs> I love. Yeah, I think I think couple, you and I were probably have us pinups. Yeah, no, you. I think you and I are in the Ooh. same pocket. Where really, it first clicked for me with Death Bed. Where I was like, wow, yeah, he's like really, yeah. really in his element and and doing you know the kinds of stuff that really works for him. Um, yeah. And then from there, it was like, oh, I can kind of see it in a a whole new light. Yeah. So that's that's the key, folks, because Josh hasn't read Deathbed, as far as we know. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's if you if you if you're unsure about Riley Russell, I'm sorry, read Deathbed. And I'll I'll go back to my JRJR argument just because they went back and did (laughs) one or two things that were good doesn't make them any good now. I'll it's it's not so much that it just you start to see his work in a different light. Like Jerry uh, Jerry did I, one or two I, things good. The rest is crap. But with yeah, Riley Ross, when you start to appreciate it a bit more, I, I will I will say Josh will probably have a harder time getting into Deathbed because it features one of his favorite writers of all time, Joshua Williamson. So already <laughs> oh, yeah. you have two strikes <laughs> under. Your I heard belt, that the is, no hold on. I heard that the story. Great. I heard that the story in Deathbed was near phenomenal. Oh, um, it's so much fun. Yeah. I wouldn't say phenomenal, but it was really good. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, like I mentioned, I I had reread that this summer, and it was the first time I'd read it in four years. I I, had just forgotten how much damn fun that was, like literally just seeing how wild and crazy these characters could be. Um, So I would definitely recommend it. I think Rob would co-sign that, but uh, I know we'll probably have a hard time convincing you based on your own relationship with these two creatives. I mean, Rogues was Rogues last week ended fantastically, and that was also Joshua Williams. Yep. So, I, that, think I think that you, Rogues you broke a streak there. Yeah. Okay, I did find That's a picture. This the is only from... DC series of his I like. I did. I did his find a picture. This great. is from Dark Knights: The Batman Who Laughs. So this is what I was thinking because I knew it was something related okay. to the metal stuff, and it's it's not a large right. panel, but he did draw what i'm fairly certain is tim um yeah that's, from, that's definitely tim this scene. so so tim's and this is not bad <laughs> yeah so i i, I don't bad. i don't know maybe it's it it, it could just be it's like not a, I'm bad if you're okay new. with your heroes looking like a squished jelly bean yeah i i i also <laughs> he doesn't think, look like a hero though. yes right. i i also think so this is this is like 2017 is the date i'm seeing for this issue um which would have been pre-Young Justice, and I think when they started the Young Justice series with Bendis, they kind of aged Tim down a little bit, or they started drawing him that way, because he had the new suit, and I think he had longer hair, and it just it just sort of made him look younger, and I'm I'm wondering if maybe Riley's trying to emulate that style, so he looks younger to kind of line up with what we've seen for the past couple of years, whereas here it was, you know, the rebirth suit, and he kind of looked older, and they're trying to do that. I don't know. That could just be total speculation. But um, I, I did notice that, you know, Tim is like they're trying to make him look a little bit younger. And, and maybe that is just not working for his style at all. Yeah. Yuck. I don't know. 
I, I think it's confirmed that the artist is changing in this book in a few issues mm -hmm. or am I getting I believe that so, yes. Okay. Yeah, so we'll see. The maybe maybe the book will actually uh, feel a bit better when and Riley Rosmo leaves the book. We'll see. I don't know. I legitimately cannot remember the last time I enjoyed a story from Megan Mark. And I'm not trying to be shitty here. I, I'm I'm trying to think and I just I can't um, I can't come up well, with Well she doesn't it. have a very deep comics catalog, so it's yeah. okay, be you'd be hard pressed to find that, yeah. That uh, right. that's that her first him story in 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 oh my god that anthology book. <laughs> oh wait no what's uh, it Urban called Legends, yeah. Urban Legends thank you holy yeah. crap I kept yeah. like in my mind I just kept saying Gotham Adventures Gotham Adventures Gotham Adventures Gotham Adventures, Gotham Adventures. Yes. <laughs> Gotham Adventures. yeah I like that one anyway but I might be the only one. It, it had its moments. I'm I'm forgetting how I was on that review. It feels like so long ago at this point. But uh, I do remember you shitting on Bernard a lot. <laughs> yes. Well, that's consistent. <laughs> I think because I I I don't I I never liked that character. One of these days, we're gonna have a very long discussion about the entire Robin series um, of of just all the different changes that that went through. Um, and I one one of the runs I don't, I don't want to go off on a tangent here but one of the runs that i absolutely loathed from that robin series was bill willingham's time on the run and and for the life of me i still can't even understand why the hell they put bill willingham on that book like the man was known for fables and i think maybe some green lantern stuff and i'm like who in the hell thought the guy who wrote fables was the perfect choice to write a teen superhero book and sure enough, that run was like one of the worst Robin runs that I've read. His voice for Tim and the rest of the high school was terrible. Um, but in particular, Bernard was one of the worst ones because he was just, he, he was like an Ashton Kutcher parody. He's just like the embodiment of the early 2000s stereotype of like the dude bro, like best friend sidekick. He's like, I don't want to read this shit. It's terrible. But anyway, that's, we can have a whole other discussion on that at some point. And uh, this is funny. We we brought this up, and Nathan just popped in our chat and said Rosmo had oh, some yes. rough Tim Drake art this week. Yeah. Perfectly well, timed. It's, it's funny, Nathan. If you're listening to this episode, this is actually us trying to pick out a positive, a positive example <laughs> of him drawing Tim Drake. So yeah. I, I I hope that was communicated. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so I think uh, we've we've talked about Tim Drake enough. So we're going we'll to talk go Tim over. Tim Drake to death. Yeah, quite. No, thank you, thank you, Dad, for giving me that that opening. <laughs> of uh, yeah, of so so much to death that uh, maybe it was from a stroke. Perhaps. Maybe I maybe I just killed. I know it. Josh nearly had know. a stroke reading this issue of Robin. So it's a good way to segue uh, into our... Wait, why am I doing it? Son, you do it. Sorry, old habits. Old habits never die hard, yeah. Yeah, uh, seriously. Okay. If you haven't figured it out by now, it's assassin time. It's Deathstroke Inc. number 14. And Josh is going to tell us all about that. Yes. Josh, we cannot hear you, bud. You are muted. Oops. Written by Ed Brisson. 
Art by Dexter Soy, colors Veronica Gandini, letters Steve Wands, and the cover came from Mikkel Janine. We pick up with Slade and Wintergreen outside of Dr. Campbell's safe house, the same doctor that did the experiments on Slade. And he's not letting anyone else get that contract, even though there are three people, professional assassins, that are there and are armed to the teeth. Meanwhile, down in the basement, the government has Dr. Campbell surrounded with armed guards as well. Just as they are about to escort him from the safe house, one of the guards gets it with what looks like an electric whip, which belongs to one of the three assassins there. The other two. One has uh, swords coming out of his arms, and the other has some gigantic guns that he's holding in both hands, and, I mean, they're bigger than he is. Um... Anyway, they wipe the guards out and are just about to kill Campbell when Slade pops in, guns a-blazing, and he quickly finds out that they are enhanced soldiers too and that he shouldn't have just run, run, rushed in. He does get Electric Whip Man, though. Swords Dude provide, uh, proves Slade right about rushing in by running Slade through with a blade, severing his spine, paralyzing his lower half. Uh, Gunboy unloads on him and shoots a bunch. They call their boss, Walsh. They let him know the situation, and Walsh com- wants confirmation that it's the same guy that was supposed to have died in Seattle, Slade Wilson. So Gunboy turns around and finds just a pool of blood. No sign of Slade, well, I mean, except for the trail of blood that he left on the floor as he walked away. Sled, uh, sled. Slade first runs into Swords Dude and gets some revenge. He cuts off both of Swords Dude's arms and then runs him through with the sword. He finds Gunboy next and gets into a firefight. Slade, however, has a bulletproof suit. Gunsboy does not. By the way, none of these are their real names, listeners, just so you know. Um, Their names just don't matter. Dr. Campbell spills the beans to Slade about how Walsh forced him to do the experiments and that will, that he will do anything to make another Slade Wilson super soldier, and it doesn't matter how many people have to die to get it. Slave, Slade acknowledges that might be true. I just can't say his name today. Uh, Slade acknowledges that might be true right before he shoots him point blank in the head. Speaking of getting shot, Gunsboy didn't have a bulletproof suit, but he does have a wicked fast healing factor. Can I call it a healing factor if I'm not talking about Wolverine? Anyway, as Slade Slade is leaving the safe house, he finds Wintergreen with Gunsboy holding a gun against Wintergreen's head. Stay tuned next month for this book's exciting conclusion. Um... Soy and Gandini slay the art. I mean, straight up, like assassins, the art and the colors are awesome here. And I mean, well, I've 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 said this before, but I thought the idea of a Slade Wilson origin story was kind of cool, but I had zero faith in it being good. And let me tell you, good, no, fantastic is exactly what Brisson brought to the table. I was not looking forward to this and now I am extremely sad that it's ending and now that for me to do that to me that takes talent uh, 
Deathstroke number Deathstroke Inc. number fourteen. I gave a nine point two five out of ten. Awesome. Yeah, no, this series has well, I really I should say this arc, um, just to kind of, you know, focus on what we've been talking about. But yeah, this arc in particular, the year one, has just been incredibly solid and I feel like a broken record at this point, but I I think one of the things I keep coming back to is, you know, I feel Ed Brisson has just such the perfect voice for Slade um, because it's, it's not something that's, you know, I don't want to say like it's revolutionary, but it feels so in line with everything we've had with Deathstroke that it just works so well. It's very effective, I think is the best word I can come up with. And I really like that. Um, and, and speaking of effectiveness, if anyone is incredibly effective in this, not infective, effective, although I would say their art is also infective and in how good it is. Um, but if anyone is effective in this issue, it is definitely Soy and Gambini, who just, I mean, uh, Josh said it best, they slay, and they do a, a really phenomenal job there. Um, and the way they're able to draw both the intimate moments, but especially the really kinetic moments with all the action and stuff was just really, really great. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think just just another really solid installment in this year one story. I'll be very excited to see how it ends. Um, going you know seeing slate go up against campbell i think his name is and setting slate on the path that we all know he will eventually go down um but you know seeing this this interesting first chapter in his life uh will still be very fun um but uh, i i do have one final point to make and that is a refutation of something that josh said which is that these three assassin characters names don't matter they absolutely do because they are the most 90s shit ever and they literally feel like they could have stepped out in an issue of like Cyberforce or Wildcat. So for their sake and my own sake, they will be getting their their credit. Their names are Bolster, Stock, and Muzzle, and they have big ass clunky suits, like exactly what you would expect to see from a '90s design. And they are exactly as overconfident as any member of the Wildcats or Cyberforce might have been in their heyday. Um, so I, I feel they need to get the, the credit they deserve, especially with all the, the 90s celebration stuff they've been doing lately. So remember their names. They are, they are the most important characters you will ever meet in this series. Um, but no, in all seriousness, um, just a really solid issue. Um, and definitely excited to see how this one is going to wrap up. So this got an 8.5 out of 10 for me. Yeah, for... Uh three characters with names fashioned after parts of a gun and only <laughs> one was using a gun is kind of weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. I think one one had two arm blades and one had a laser whip and they looked like Iron Man villains. It was, yes. it was really it was super fucking 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, this is another brilliant issue. The art still holds true, the story still holds true. Uh, it said next issue is the last part of this arc. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I thought it'd be going out a little longer. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, yes, it's it's been a ride. This this issue, I guess, being the penultimate one, it's kind of just setting up uh, the end in a way, because uh, not a, not too much happened. It was really just a quick mission for Slade. Um, at least compared to other issues where there was there was a lot more going on this one was was kind of lacking in in plot realistically but it was still a lot of fun still really good beautiful to look at wonderful to read 8.75 out of 10 hell yeah yeah 
Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's that's lots of great action. You guys are just giving me shit today. I love it. Yeah, lots yeah. of great action. It was definitely an action-filled comic. And another action-filled comic. I feel like I'm killing the the balls you're tossing to me. I don't know. Uh, this is Action <laughs> yeah, Comics number, number 1048. I'll figure it out one day. I'll get there. Uh, yeah, so this, this is Action Comics number 1048. And I remembered to do the credits this time. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Uh, with art from Mike Perkins. Colors from Lee Lothridge. Letters from Dave Sharp. And a beautiful cover from Steve Beach. It definitely like poster worthy that cover i think so we pick up at strikers island penitentiary off the coast of metropolis where lex luther himself is taking a little visit to uh i don't remember his first name corbin uh john corbin that's it metallo metallo for all you other people metalo. out there i said metallo metallo <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying now. You were saying Metalo. Metalo. I was saying Metalo? Okay. Metalo for all you other people out there. (laughs) Which Metalo sounds like jello made out of tinfoil. Yum. What? That's fucked up. Try (laughs) sucking that through a straw. No. (laughs) Yeah, you can't. Because it's Metalo. Yeah, that's that's freaking weird. Oh god, jiggly metal. Okay, it's not fair. Anyway, yeah. So Lex is taking a visit to Mister John Corbin, uh, telling him like I, I we talked about this plan before. I have this plan. This is the plan. I've given you a new body. It's a placeholder uh, because I have the means to make you strong enough to kill Superman. Finally, once and for all, all you have to do is what I want you to do. Uh, but John is just not having it. Uh, he just wants Luther to leave him alone. And as Lex says, look, I haven't made myself clear enough. You're dying. I've seen it. It's going to happen. I can help you live. And John says, look, I don't care. I want to die. You can go away now. And Lex throws a temper tantrum, flips the table like they're playing Settlers of Catan, and then composes himself for a brief second to say, look, your sister comes to visit you a lot, right? Tracy Corbin is her name. Be a shame if something were to happen to her and she Whoa. couldn't visit anymore. Huh? Give her my best at her next visit. Uh, and that leaves John with a flip table, books all over the place, and uh, nothing but hurt feelings and broken promises. Yeah. So then we pick up at the... Tur- uh, I was going to say Toronto Zoo. Wow. Uh, <laughs> metropolis zoo <laughs> uh where lois has taken othora and also Ra, the refugee kids from war world that clark brought home uh to see earth animals and give them a bit of uh, earth culture to look at and joining them on this brief expedition is none other than bibbo himself uh everyone's Bibbo. favorite metropolian Met- metro- metropolitan metropolian. metro yeah metropolitan maybe uh, I, I mean i know I that's a, like other word but i don't i don't know metropolitan yeah. yeah that sounds like a disease it yeah. does yeah and one you don't want definitely yeah he's, he's everyone's favorite <laughs> it's when you're too dependent on superman it's a horrible horrible disease yes 
that which is basically every metropolis yes he's everyone's favorite citizen of metropolis we'll call it that yes because this is getting hard (laughs) uh so he's there to uh help out and show them around give them some more of that earth culture that only bibbo can provide such as a gallon of ice cream and see if you can get through it all by yourselves, kids. So your first time on Earth, first time having ice cream with shitty diets before this. Yeah, it's going to go great. You're totally not going to get sick. Yeah, so they go off doing that while Clark is up in space. And like 10 pages in, we finally get our title card. Uh, so Clark is up in space dealing with some space debris, as you do in space. Uh, but he sees, uh, you know, some energy coming out of War World. But... And this is where I'm getting a bit confused, because it looks like War World, but it also, he mentions that it's no star, uh, but then it's War World. But is it not War World? And if it's not War World, how did he not notice this giant red glowing thing behind him the whole time? But that's beyond me. He says uh, the energy there is a bit odd, and we're about to have company. So he heads uh, back down to Earth to figure out where this energy is going. <coughs> Meanwhile, back at the zoo, Lois, Bibbo, and the kids are uh, getting a brief look at the lions and tigers and no bears. Oh my, they're not there. Uh, <laughs> Bibbo's trying to buff up how scary lions can be, but the lions are not having any of it. They're kind of lazy today. Uh, but a boom tube opens up, blowing everybody on their feet, on their backs, off their feet, onto their backs, and out walks Desaad, Calabac, and Orion, the gods of the first world and Orion now being the sole heir of apocalypse and the new leader since uh dark side is off god knows where uh bibbo gets up and in true bibbo fashion takes one look at calabac sizes him up and says look you have to have a ticket to get into the zoo if you don't have a ticket i'm gonna have to take you out by force calabac welcomes the challenge and before they get to have this awesome brawl that i'm all about Superman steps in, heat visions Calabac onto his back, and uh, steps in the way. Uh, Orion steps up and says to, to Clark, Look, you, have, you survived the trials of Olgren, uh, which is a death sentence now. Uh, look, this is not good. You should not have done this, and you've kind of doomed us all. Metron then arrives as Superman starts to push back. Uh, on behalf of New Genesis, and explains the exact same thing, that uh, thanks to Clark's machinations on Warworld, freeing the fires of Olgrim, he has endangered all of creation, and the new gods alone must decide what is to be done now. Uh, Clark obviously fights back against this. <coughs> Meanwhile, Dasad uh, takes a look around and notices that Clark does not have the fire within him. The boy does, and uh, the boy is Olgrim's heir, so Orion... Uh, starts to go towards the boy and take him away, but Clark takes one look at uh, at, um, Othara, I believe that's Othara, trying to get away, and he doesn't want people to be, uh, doesn't want to be taken away from anyone, and Clark has a brief memory of Jor-El taking John away uh, on their brief adventure, and then he comes back six months later, aged up six years. So, Clark realized, uh, obviously just says, over my dead body, and just whacks Orion right in the face, breaking parts of his helmet. Uh, and then a giant fight between Clark, Calabac, and Orion begin. And I'm all about that, too. 
Meanwhile, on Strikers Island, the guards are talking about what the brouhaha going on at the zoo when one of the guards standing over John Corbin's cell realizes that a visitor did not come and it's none other than Tracy Corbin, his sister, uh, did not make her regularly scheduled visit, which she never misses, and that leaves John Corbin in the dark, wondering what the hell happened. And a brief look at our backup. Uh, Red Moon Part 2, this is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art from David Lapham, colors from Trish Mulvihill, and letters from Dave Sharp. The Three Sons of War World, headed by the guy whose name escapes me, uh, the the leader of uh, the follower of Mongol who was uh, is uh, old old Chaitel. Chaitel, that's his name. Thank you very much. Uh, is performing some machinations, machine magic of some kind with uh, the followers he has left. He's gutted them and used their power uh, to charge some machine. Uh, meanwhile, Thaula and. Kara are flying around trying to find Chaitel while other members of the super family are doing the exact same thing but cannot find him no matter where they look and how hard they try. So the pair head back to Metropolis to do a brief look around and, and do a sweep of the city as Clark has entrusted them to help take care of it. Uh, as Thaula's powers are slowly progressing along uh, since she is fairly new to them. Her super hearing out of nowhere uh pops up and just hears loud dooms 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 over and over again uh but she focuses and hears something far beneath metropolis uh to which kara then looks underground and realizes yeah that's chato let's go get him so she heat visions a hole right through uh right through the ground till they get to a little cavern where they find chato and a giant freaking minotaur like beast uh right under metropolis as chato threatens to bring metropolis crashing down around them uh so yeah this is action comics right here in my opinion this is this is true action comics uh orion and calabac going toe-to-toe with cal that's freaking sweet the backup's got some very interesting things going on i'm thinking we might be seeing a new supergirl as well uh you know we have two wonder girls why not two supergirls we'll see where it goes Yeah, uh, the stuff going on with uh, John Corbin, because I'm not getting into this whole Metallo Metallo thing going on. <laughs> Too many debates. <laughs> uh, I'm digging it. John Corbin has always been kind of one of my favorite Superman villains because he's so simple yet so complicated at the same time. Like, you got a kryptonite heart, which is the only thing that can kill Superman, yet somehow you still lose. And at a certain point, I just. I want you to win because that's just sad, man. That's just sad. <laughs> Come on. Do better. So I'm all about this. This is fun. Uh, like I said, this is peak action comics in my opinion. I'm loving it. Uh, 8.75 out of 10. This one is, I mean, I honestly, I just, I keep coming back to to the words that, uh, that Rob said because, um, I mean, they're haunting me. Like, like some kind of prophecy, a good prophecy, but, but prophecy nonetheless, um, which is, you know, war world was incredible, but just imagine something even bigger coming next. And <laughs> I, I feel like each issue we're just, we're moving ever closer to that idea because you know, things are, are really stepping up when the new gods show up and tell you that what you've done could lead to catastrophic events. Um, and it, it only seems like they're teasing towards 
some ungodly, you know, next revelation about, uh, you know, what Superman and, and the rest of Metropolis will have to face. And I am just so here for that. Like I, I, I have ideas of what it could be, but I'm completely in the dark. And that's a great feeling. I, I get to feel genuine excitement, um, you know, for, for what's coming next to get, you know, just seeing what, what might happen, um, you know, in, in the world of Superman next. So it's, it's just really engaging. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing the new gods show up and just sort of demand that responsibility. Like I, I don't remember seeing anything in the solicits about that. So that was actually kind of a, a genuine surprise. Um, you know, seeing them turn up and and uh, and, and demand, you know, Superman turn over Othel Ra and, and everything there. So it's it's just really interesting seeing where it's all building towards. Um, and I'm, I'm really really looking forward to seeing what happens next. So this one got an 8.75 out of 10 for me. Just really great stuff all around. Yeah, I got to say this was not the follow up to the War World War World Saga that I was expecting. Like, not at all. But here we are with some seriously pissed off new gods. It'll be very interesting to see where he takes us now. Given his last epic run, he'll have to pull tooth and nail out to do it. This might be my favorite rendition of Bibbo yet. Mike Perkins, man. <laughs> and, and, and here we are with Low Ridge really coloring his ass off as compared to the earlier book in Tim Drake. So it is Rosmo's fault. Anyway, I love this story, and and new gods aside, um, what I'm really into is what's going to happen with Metallo. Uh, I still think, at least for now, that he'll be getting a red kryptonite upgrade. This this is just a great story, man. It's great art, and PKJ's action comics are the action comics that I need. The backup is kind of let yeah. It's it's kind of less than a backup than it is a story that's happening concurrently. So I'm I'm just going to group the story in with the first book. But Travis Lapham is no Mike Perkins. And the difference between the two is very distinct. Like I shocked when you turned that page. Um, had the art been a little bit better in the backup, the whole book would have scored a little bit higher. But I gave this an 8.25 out of 10. Uh, the hell was I gonna say? Oh yeah, with all the all the stuff going on with New Gods recently, especially Orion, there's an, a whole story going on in the background of many books with the New Gods that if you're following everything, you're seeing it happen. And I just really want it all to be collected. You know, I want to see what's happening yeah. on Apocalypse. I want to see what's happening on New Genesis. Let's get a New Gods one shot and try to figure out. Just show us what the hell this like semi-civil war with the new gods is going on or just a new god series i i feel like yeah it's it's certainly been a while since they've had one so it'd be nice to bring it back especially now with as you said everything that's going on when did metron come back to life oh i don't even remember it yeah because yeah one could say when everybody else resets but but the new gods exist outside of the multiverse, don't they? Yes, yeah. So that's that's Wait, where like hold on. All of them exist outside of the multiverse? Yeah, I mean, like they're Genesis. supposed to, yes. Um yeah, and, there's and there's only one dark I, side. 
Yeah, it's it's something that I, I probably bitched about too much when we were reviewing Justice League Last Ride, because one of my main complaints was you can't fly to Apocalypse. You need a boom tube to get there, because yeah. it exists outside of the dimensional plane of the multiverse, which is incredibly, like, nerd, um, you know, <laughs> nerd pedantic uh, criticism. But, you know, it's, <laughs> when you know these things, Actually. it's hard to divorce Actually, yeah. I pushed up my glasses and my my comic book guy <laughs> voice came on, and I gained about a hundred pounds. <laughs> actually, it is total rubbish. Actually, actually, it exists outside of our dimensional plane. You would need a mother box to traverse that. I wouldn't expect a simpleton like you. To understand. <laughs> oh my god. You need at least a college degree to understand Superman comics. <laughs> I'm like, that's like my worst fear that that's that's the path that I'm gonna head on one day. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fully become that, and and I will literally become my worst nightmare. Oh, just never oh, buy gray man. sweats. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. I do not yeah. own a pair, and I I never plan to. Yeah. And if you do, at least don't get them stained in, in anywhere, anywhere, uh, anywhere, especially yeah. Greece. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you already mentioned fries are like the be all end all of, of food. So oh God, don't go too hard now. <laughs> I, I'm trying. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we, I think we need a a new gods collect. To, like call, not, not, not like you know what I'm talking like like a an ongoing mm. would be nice at the very least a mini series to tell us what the hell's going on with Apocalypse yeah. and New Genesis you know mm. things are in flux what happened to High Father why is Metron back to life like who decided Orion is the new god of Apocalypse and not New Genesis it's mm. you know what's going on I I want to see yeah. some stuff no, I I would say that's definitely needed yeah. Well, uh, that's for a book that doesn't exist. Uh, as for books that do exist, we we can only kind of uh, figure out these these mysteries of, of stories that don't exist so much before we have to focus on other mysteries. And what better way to focus on mysteries than with Detective Comics? Getting Absolutely. better than that. Getting better. Thank so this you, is Detective son. number 1065, and my father, Brandon, is going to talk all about that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very proud of that transition, son. Uh, yes, this Thank is you. Detective Comics <laughs> 1065. Oh, man. Um, our main story, of course, was written by Rom V with art from Raphael Albuquerque, colors from Dave Stewart, and letters from Steve Wands. And our backup this month is, again, written by Simon Spurrier with art from Hayden Sherman and colors from Nick Velarde, with letters also from Steve Wands. So to catch up with our main story, following the explosion at the Gotham Pier, following the arrival, that's a lot of followings, of Prince Arzen Orgum, Gotham City has become a war zone between the League of Assassins and those loyal to the Orgum family. But rather than viciously fight back, the Orgums decide to use the League's unprompted attack for their own benefit in order to curry favor from the public. Very smart. During a deadly shootout between the GCPD, the League, and Gael Tenclaw, Batman arrives to break up the scene goes up against Ubu, Raish's right-hand man, and nearly dies during the fight, falling deep into Gotham's waters. But he is rescued by Jim Gordon and the kid he has taken in during the CODA backup from last month. 
The Orgham family, in the meantime, has decided to settle up with the city regarding the Arkham property as they inform one of the executors of the Arkham Trust of the cost of a legal battle over the rights to the land. Spoilers, it's a lot of money. I think they call it one number followed by a lot of zeros. And naturally, yeah. they don't want to pay that. Uh, in the final legs of our main story, we catch up with Ubu, who's desperately trying to escape from Gotham following his battle with Batman. He goes to Harvey Dent, who, in true two-faced fashion, portrays Ubu and gives him up to Gael Tenclaw. Finally, we catch up with Batman, who is severely wounded after the battle with Ubu, and in the care of Jim Gordon, who informs the kid that even though Batman inspired him to save others, everyone needs saving once in a while, even Batman himself. In our backup story, we shift our attention over to Harvey Dent, who in this chilling eight-page story is wrestling with his two-faced persona as it longs for Harvey to go to Batman and, more importantly, for the two-faced persona. Oh my god. Two-faced persona to regain control. Harvey shuts it down, keeping it locked up in the gutter of his subconscious, but this, dear reader, is only the beginning of Harvey's new journey. So... Our main story, great art, incredible stakes, fascinating introduction of a new family, and incredible art. I already said great art, but I'm saying incredible art now, so that proves how much I like it. What more could you want from this book? Uh, I don't know. It's just so great, and, and it's, it feels like it's been a while since I've really enjoyed Detective this much. I'm so impatient Have, to did, know about Did you get this. to see the Jim Lee and Scott Williams variant cover? I did, and I had to wrestle with my own inner demons much like harvey um to not buy that because it was an extra dollar yeah. and i really wanted to because it was so fucking good but i it, it just i couldn't do it i couldn't do it but, but one of these days i will get a print or something of it um because it was absolutely gorgeous but uh yeah jim lee cover but i mean just stellar art from rafael albuquerque who's absolutely killing it on this series like seriously what more could you want um, I'm so impatient to know about Barbatos's new, more demonic connection to Bruce, but I'm happy to wait as I expect it will be grand. Um, and I know that's going to come later on down the line, but we're getting these, these little teases and uh, Rob is as someone who's read RIP recently, but as anyone who's read RIP recently, I'm sure you can appreciate the, the little teases you get um, before you actually get the, the main story of, of what it's going to involve. And it's, it's reminding me a lot of that and how, I know it's going to be something big coming with uh, with Barbados and this new version down the line, but we're getting these little these little teases in the form of poetry um, every now and then, just to kind of remind us of like there's something more sinister lurking in the background. Um, nonetheless, this book has yet to disappoint, and I honestly can't wait uh, for next month. So I gave the main story a nine out of ten. As for the backup, I thought it was a great little short story focusing on Harv that delves into the battle between Harvey and his two-faced persona in a really visually and emotionally engaging way. Um, I was glad to see that this is another three-part story, as I definitely want to see more of this version of Harvey. Uh, to my knowledge, um, I think this may be one of the first times that this artist, Caden Sherman, has done anything for DC. He did a book with Scott Snyder most recently called Wildfires that I thought was really good. Um, so it's nice to see him branching out um, into, into other stuff. And then, of course, you know, Simon Spurrier continuing his, um, his trend of these really, like, character-intensive backup stories, uh, starting with the Jim Gordon story and now continuing with Harvey. Um, and I'm, I'm really just hoping they keep this up because they've been great. 
this one is off to a great start as well. Um, and as a final point, Simon Spurrier and Charlie Adlard's Damn Them All, number one, is out this week. If your heart has been missing for a little bit of Hellblazer, please pick up this book. It will very much fill that Hellblazer-sized hole in your heart because um, it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, on the subject of Simon Spurrier, I figured I'd, I'd pimp it out a little bit. Um, but the backup got it 8.5 out of 10, so whole story would get about an 8.75, but I just enjoyed the whole thing so damn much. I'm going to give it a 9 uh, for this week. Right on. Yeah. Um, first, let me say I'll take that variant cover as a print if anyone wants to buy me a present. Any listeners out there? Uh, <laughs> Reach out to a... Jim Lee. Maybe he'll send you a copy. Yeah. I was looking at some Jorge Jimenez prints the other day, and I'm like, damn, I wish I had $2,500. Damn, y'all. This is a driven, gripping story, both mystery and feeling very supernatural. The art is just freaking great. I am incredibly happy with these runners so far. Delight. That is the word that comes to mind when I read these stuff. My only problem here is James Gordon doesn't know who Batman is. Am, am I completely forgetting something? Because, I mean, I thought he did know. I thought he did, too. Yeah. So I, there's, I'm there's guessing a little it's a, bit of a I know, loose... but I just don't want to say or something like that. I'm not really sure, but he should know. This. So I'm not crazy, then. That's always good to hear. The backup should be called Harpy Dent is going mad because that's what it feels like but at the same time we're watching him be in control of his bad side at least for now it's a pretty decent story but it's Cy Spurrier so what would you expect and I might like Hayden Sherman's art but I don't think so (laughs) Um, a few panels are really good but the rest needs some work a little more time in the industry and I think this cat could be great um him going into his head and seeing a complete two-faced side of him was messed up but I needed to see it thank you 8.75 out of 10 uh yeah so Harvey Dent's going through some shit right now that's that's a a lot of stuff like so much so that i'm i'm wishing there was a clear-cut idea of harvey right now because we've had what feels like three different interpretations recently but no idea of what of which is when and why and what's the true one you know you have uh harvey that's trying to be a good person in task force yeah you have this harvey who is kind of towing the like riding the fence between being a bad guy or being a good guy and then harvey and the joker who is apparently full-on crime boss again and you just don't know which one's which and you don't know which, which one is the real harvey dent right now and is he going to be appearing anywhere else <laughs> yeah. maybe I, uh, maybe we're about to right now but it's interesting i was gonna say maybe we're about to have a three two faces book coming coming soon mm-hmm. Batman, oh, three two faces. <laughs> oh God! Is, that, is that too six? many numbers? Do you think three two three two faces? It feels a little yeah, excessive. I'll just call it three dents. Or they're the six or six faces because there's six faces. There's, wait, 
I was never great Two shakes in three. math. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, yeah six, I think six that's faces. six faces. The six faces. Yeah. Yeah. Batman, but, the six faces yeah. coming from black the, the label. The word to describe. <laughs> it's a black label. It kind of fits because a word to describe uh, a multiple of six is a sextuplet. So <laughs> Batman sex faces just does not oh, sound right. And no, if you follow up to Batman damned, we don't know. <laughs> at least not if editorial has anything to say about that uh yeah i'm i'm just kind of wishing that there was a bit of a, a better look at what's going on with harvey uh we'll see how it goes uh bruce has got his hands pretty full as well i, I did not expect him to be beat so badly uh but we'll we'll see um yeah, it was interesting to see that the the end of the last backup of uh, had a follow up so soon after it ended. I thought that was that was nice, uh, really interesting storytelling coming into this story. Um, I'm digging it. Like this is a, a great time for detective comics as well. Like action and detective are both at a peak, and I'm I'm really all about it. Yeah, so this issue of Tech is going to get an eight point seven five out of ten from me as well. Awesome. Yeah. So any last thoughts about the books we've talked about before we get into other stuff? I think we have uh, said quite a bit. Yes, we have. Uh, Okay, so that will bring us to our top three of the show. Uh, So, Brandon, if you want to kick us off, give us your top three and favorite moment if you had one. I would love to. So at number three, I had Deathstroke Inc. Number 14. Again, just a really solid installment of the year one storyline. Excited to see how it concludes next month. And number two, I had Action Comics 1048. Another also great installment. I'm I'm very excited to see where things are building to. Look forwards. Um, But at number one, it should come as no surprise because I gushed about it so damn much. Uh, I had Detective Comics 1065, um, which, I mean, you could pick it up for art alone, story alone, both. Pick it up. It's it's just so good. Um, and, and maybe if you are a little bit more flush than me, you can get that Jim Lee cover because it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but uh, just just really great story all around. Um, I'm really excited to see where the rest of this run is going. My favorite moment, however, comes from none of these books, actually. Um my favorite moment really is is two moments uh, from Harley Quinn, uh, just because, I, I don't know, they, they really just put a smile on my face. But uh, the first one, I kind of already spoiled it, is just Damien in the water with the life preserver saying, I hate water. <laughs> I, I wish I could just like have that as my screensaver or something. It's just so funny. Um, but the other one um, is just, you know, that full splash page of Damien going, you should not be alive. Um, aside from being really well drawn, um, I think that would be another one that would be great uh, taken out of context if you just send to someone. Um, so, yeah, no, those were, uh, I guess, my two favorite moments. Um, but really, I Fair feel enough. like they're, they're just one great moment uh, from the book. Fair enough. Uh, Josh, what about you, sir? In number three, I have Action Comics, kicking ass. Number two, I have Detective Comics, kicking ass. And number one, I gave to Deathstroke Inc. this week. It was such a great read. 
my favorite Momo, my Momo, my favorite Momo, <laughs> my favorite moment was seeing Bibbo show up in the book and then most definitely watching him take a swing to clobber Calabac. That was, oh, that brought such a smile to my face. Also, yeah, Bibbo being awesome. such a dad was, was very appreciated <laughs> where he's like yeah. the big, furry, scary animals and trying to get Ossal Ra and Othal Ra really interested where Lois could not was just absolutely adorable. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I had Detective Comics at number three. Uh, number two, I had Beyond the White Knights. What this issue I thought was fantastic. Uh, and number one, I had Action Comics. Uh, for all the reasons we listed above. Uh, favorite moment, though, I would have picked Bibbo, wanting to take a, a swing at Calabac, but I, I was just in love with that shot of Superman uh, fighting Calabac and Orion. It looks like it's going to be an amazing fight, and I hope we get to see it. Oh, yeah. Me too. Hopefully. We'll see. Hopefully. Uh, so, that yeah, that was our favorite moment. But now it's time for your favorite moment. It is... Oh, that's nasty. But doing it on the floor, oh, then. Expertly done. <laughs> I'm so proud. They grow up so fast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> did, did, did I graduate, or do I still have a few more yes. lessons? Yes. You're nearly there. I I'm expect so my diploma in the mail. <laughs> All right folks uh i think we might have a unanimous decision on this but just in case what made your stink list this week one of the bat characters has been running through a narrative that i think is less than on par with the entirety of clunan and conrad's wonder woman run and that is to say it fucking blows tim drake robin yeah, even though I was a lot more positive on it this month, I, I have to say one of the weakest issues I've read this week was definitely Tim Drake Rob. Well then, yeah, to to get the resounding review of it's worse than Psychic Milk, yeah, Z- that's, that's pretty bad. That's pretty Tim bad. Drake, sorry, buddy, we've been wanting a book from you for a while, but not like this. Not like this. You're on <laughs> no, the stink please. list. No. Well... Yeah, everybody's got to go to it eventually, I guess. Mm-hmm. What can you do? Indeed. I, I wonder is is this huh? one we're going to keep on, uh, keep on, keep on going with, or are we thinking this one might be a contender for the dumpers? Uh, I it I'm, could be a contender. It's, a it's definitely a contender. I'm tempted to say give it one more try because I'm a big believer in I three strikes and you're out. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it. I Not do agree. Strike this two, issue Tim was better than the first one. So, by the, the logic of math, uh, the third one should be even better. But we'll see. Yes, That's we not shall a guarantee. See. There's well, always, you know, uh, I mean, a variable thrown in somewhere. I want to flex it again. I haven't got to press the <laughs> toilet button in a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So next month we we might be hearing that sound as an official status. <laughs> It just might. It, it might just. We'll see, though. Uh, as for this month and this week, that is our show. Remember, you can help support the show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NER podcasts. 
check us out on Twitter at NotArobotComics, and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews, articles, and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other, and don't be a robot. So let me grab one thing just out of reach from here. Alright. Every week I feel like I need to play with like, some kind of weird relationship. Yeah. Expected. Yeah. Like, I have Hal and Sinestro in front of me like three times over. I need Kyle. <laughs> Everyone okay. needs a little Kyle. Kyle Rayner. I agree. <laughs> and when your when your Kyle is as thick as the Kyle that you have, everyone is Kyle. <laughs> Green Lantern, Badonkadon. Yeah, I know. Seriously, if Kyle joined the Titans. He didn't just join the Titans. He took Vic's place. Oh, very much right. so. That's why they needed him so bad. They needed that yeah. that uh, that ass replacement. Yeah, they needed some booty on the team. Do you also hate the water? Would you like to try and not drown? Buy a life preserver. <laughs>